The reading is from the first book of Kings, continuing in chapter 2. And Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Comest thou in peace? And he said, In peace. He said, Moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, Speak. And he said, Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. However, the kingdom is turned about, has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now I ask but one petition of thee, deny me not. And you said unto him, speak. And he said, Speak, I pray thee, unto Solomon the king, for he will not say to thee nay, that he give me Abishag the Shunammite to wife. And Bathsheba said, Very well, I will speak for thee unto the king. Bathsheba therefore went forth unto King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself down unto her and sat down on his throne and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of thee. I pray thee, say me not nay. And the king said unto her, Ask on, my mother, for I will not say thee nay. And she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother, or wife. And King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, And why dost thou ask Abishai the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my elder brother, even for him and for Abiathar the priest, and for, Jos- and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God do so to me, and more as well, if Adonijah shall not have spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me and set me upon the throne of David my father, who hath made me a house and promised Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, 
the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him, and he died. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I notice your thanks be to God was a bit modest. I mean, for hearing this life-changing text. That's all the enthusiasm you could muster? Thanks be to God. <laughs> yeah, anytime the bad guys get killed, that should be our attitude. <laughs> now Solomon begins his reign. Last Saturday night, we read the instructions that David gave to Solomon. And they had specific instructions for certain people, although Adonijah was not one of those. The author's interest in this reading tonight is to dispose of the rebellious Adonijah. Remember that Adonijah had fled to the shrine, probably the tabernacle that, that housed, the, uh, housed, the, housed the Ark of the Covenant, before the, before the temple was built there. And he clung to the horns of the altar, which I think simply means the corners of the altar, the same word for corner. In fact, cornu, corner. Although I've seen altars that have horns on them, just to, maybe, maybe, I don't know. The books of Kings devote more space to Solomon than to any other figure in this period covered by kings from the 10th to the early 6th century BC. In, any, in these texts, Solomon is portrayed as a wise man, a man of wisdom. Remember, David says that to him in his instructions to Solomon. And Solomon will, in due course, pray for more wisdom. The point is made very early in the story of Adonijah, Solomon's brother, who most certainly is not wise. Thank God Adonijah did not become king, because tonight's reading shows him to be completely clueless. In the story we have just heard, his lack of discernment is conspicuous. He says the very thing that will get him executed. The very thing. Adonijah is completely unable to read and to interpret the situation. And that's not the sort of man you want in charge. Just clueless. The character of Abishag, the Shunammite, introduced in the early verses of the book, is now mentioned for the last time. From the previous chapter, we know that this last of David's wives was still a virgin. Adonijah, who apparently had taken a shine to the young lady, wants to marry her. That was foolish in itself. But then to go and ask Bathsheba to intervene with Solomon on his behalf, was supremely 
foolish. Bathsheba has been around a while. She spots her chance. She has not the slightest doubt how Solomon will respond to this request. That Adonijah did not have the wisdom, the discernment, the prudence to see through this is really quite remarkable. And he asked that David's young widow be given in marriage to David's own son. Well, Bathsheba makes the request on his behalf, and that is the end of poor Adonijah. Exactly as Bathsheba planned and saw. She knew exactly what her son's response would be. This whole thing was as a, this was a setup. Adonijah has no reason to trust Bathsheba. It was apparently reckless for him to do so. Why he did so remains a puzzle. To make the request at all would be madness but to make the bequest through Bathsheba adds raw stupidity to the madness. You know, if you're fat, you can go on a diet. If you're ugly, we can do something about that. But if you're stupid, it's forever. See, Bathsheba wants Adonijah gone. As long as he's there and still thinking that he should be the king, his very presence on the earth, his very shadow that falls across the earth is a threat. And the poor fool makes it almost too easy. Well, of course, Bathsheba says, I would be glad to intercede for you. It's the least I can do. More to the point of our own understanding of Holy Scripture is something else that appears in the story, and there's where I want to concentrate our attention. And that's the description of Bathsheba's entrance into the throne room of her son. And that is very, very important. I remember struck, being struck by this, listening to a lecture by a passionist priest named Barnabas Mary Ahern. Pooh, goodness, way back when. Very early 60s, I suppose. And he, he made the point, I, I've never forgotten it. It was one of, those, one of those lectures that stands vividly in my mind. See, Bathsheba is now the queen mother. She's what, the word for queen mother in Hebrew, by the way, is gabira. That word appears in the text tonight. She is the gabira. The psalmist says, the gabira will be at thy right hand. The gabira will be at thy right hand. The gabira, the queen mother, is the power behind the throne. See, ancient kings had any number of wives, but most of them were pretty much limited to one mother. 
I mean, it's a general rule, with very few exceptions. And the place of the Queen Mother in Holy Scripture is amply illustrated by comparing the two scenes, one in chapter 1 and one in chapter 2 of the text, with Bathsheba goes into the throne room, same throne room. She enters the throne room where her husband is on the throne, chapter 1, does, you know that we had it recently. She prostrates down before him. I mean, a guy could get some respect back in those days. She prostrates before him. In the story we had tonight, notice what happens. She comes into the throne room. Solomon rises from his throne and prostrates himself before his mother. There's the picture of the Gavira. There's the queen mother. And the king rose to meet her and bowed, bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the Gabira. So she sat at his right hand. The queen mother is always the second person in the realm. It's always the second person in the realm. I remember when I was teaching at a Protestant seminary in Pennsylvania. And I remember one of my students was talking about the Roman Catholics. He said, they, they, the Roman Catholics refer to Mary as the queen of heaven. And I said, so? He says, well, well she's not. I said, she can't be anything else. She can't be anything else except the queen of heaven. She is the mother of the last of the sons of David, for crying out loud. That is, talk about clueless. And I think I probably made some reference to these two chapters and enlightened the young man. Because he's, otherwise he's going to be for an enormous surprise if he ever gets to heaven. Colossal surprise. A single, simple comparison of these two texts indicates clearly the deference and the honor with which a Davidic king expects his mother to be treated. If the king bows down to his mother, how much more the subjects of the kingdom? If the king bows down to her, if the king is subject to her, what about the rest of us? And she's right up here in the picture to the right hand of the king. She's always been there. It is hardly surprising that the Bible and the Bible-believing Christians cultivate the deepest, most affectionate reverence for her of whose son the angel said, the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. She has from the very beginning been invoked, starting with Elizabeth, as the mother of my Lord. And in their time of need, believers have ever sought the intercession, her intercession with her son, 
Even if they don't seek her need, she sees it. She's the one who notices that God's children are running out of wine at the wedding feast and makes sure they have some. She speaks to her son. She doesn't have to tell him what to do. She just says, they don't have any wine. And then she goes and tells the waiter, do whatever he tells you. Complete assurance, total assurance. Among Christians, beloved, there can be no doubt that in the kingdom of heaven, she reigns as queen and sovereign lady in glory in the presence of great David's greater son. Amen.